Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Batter Up Podcast for the 28th day of September 2020, and the Atlanta Braves are headed to the playoffs. And with other things that have happened around Atlanta, this is a welcome sign for a lot of sports fans here. Willie P., Will Pelagic, Joe Patrick, Caleb Johnson. It will be the Cincinnati Reds, a best-of-three series that begins Wednesday. We'll play Thursday, and then, if necessary, on Friday. All games at Truist Park. First team to win two gets to go to the bubble in Houston. Good morning, Joe Patrick. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, Caleb Johnson. What's going on? Whoop. So at this point, before we get into looking at exactly what the Reds look like and how we believe this series will go, uh, let's reflect on the 2020 season. I know we did a little bit of that in our last podcast when we talked about the Braves clinching the division. They overcame a bevy of odds, Joe, uh, when you think about the injuries to Mike Soroka, uh, the stuff before the season with Felix Hernandez, Nick Markakis opts out, opts back in, uh, the Freddie Freeman COVID story. The one thing that I think will be the defining nature of not only this brave season, but I think who ultimately wins the World Series at the end of the day is the team that knows how to overcome odds and adjust on the fly. And the Braves did that in spades in 2020. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I tweeted after they had clinched the division saying that, you know, it was just an amazing story for them to be able to do it after they'd been, and I said they'd been doubted at every turn, and at least one person who's actually a friend of mine in real life, so we were just kind of having some banter back and forth about it, but he was like, oh, they were preseason, you know, they were picked to the win of the division, but it still doesn't really... I, I know that that was the case, that Vegas had them as the favorites in the division slightly um, to win it before the season started, but it still just hardly ever felt like the Braves were the odds-on favorites to actually pull it off. Like I, I, It almost seemed like everyone was kind of waiting for another team to uh, gazump them this season, and obviously there were chance opportunities for the Braves to to kind of fall down the pegging order when they had all those things that happened, whether it was Freddie Freeman in the spring training or Mike Soroka, those guys that you mentioned, um, huge moments in the season and the Braves were able to overcome it. And they, you know, they kind of held on to that first place from, from pretty much start to finish. There was a point there. I think it was after the Soroka injury, they'd gone to New York and um, really got battered around by the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling at that point where it was like, man, this season is, kind of in free fall right now you you you're you have low morale from having lost such an important pitcher uh you just gotten you know beaten around on the field and 
it just felt like the Braves needed something to save them, and the bats just kind of kept on uh, pounding other teams' pitchers. And you got MVP type of seasons out of multiple players on this team, and it was just amazing to see. It was just amazing to see the bats kind of do their thing this year for the Braves. And you know, a guy like Marcelo Zuna, probably the most, um, you know, he. I don't know if underappreciated is the right word. I think he was like appreciated, but just the unexpected levels of production from a guy like him, I think is something that really can help you overcome a lot of the ills that come with losing a guy like Soroka, that kind of thing. Caleb, as far as the situation with Ozuna goes, is this different than the Donaldson thing? Is this more of a situation where you think he sustained it better, that he might have earned a contract for next season or beyond with the Braves, or do you feel it's the exact same? See, here's the thing you don't have to worry about with Ozuna is the injuries, you know, the 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 compounded injuries that, mm-hmm. that held Donaldson out for so long and age. You know, I mean, I feel like those things you have to take – into consideration, I th- I think me and you had a conversation uh, a couple of days ago about you know where I I was expressing some concern about is this another Josh Donaldson scenario where you know obviously Minnesota signed him to a, a lucrative deal and he didn't produce because of injuries that kind of held him out to not have as big of a year. So if if Atlanta does flash the cash. Are they going to have these same issues? I think the only difference is is now you know we're dealing with uh, the National League moving into this designa- designated hitter league, and so Ozuna kind of has that spot etched out. My only real concern is is the same issue that happened with Josh Donaldson, which is he's going to want a multi year deal, which is not typically you know double <laughs> A's thing here in Atlanta. Uh, and will he be too expensive uh, to to bring back? I don't know. I, it feels just fit-wise. And I know Josh Donaldson, you know, fit, and he had the whole bringer of rain and umbrella thing. And, you know, I mean, he seemed like he worked in the clubhouse. However, he is a hothead. And we saw it a couple of weeks ago with him getting frustrated at home plate and, and uh, kicking dirt over home plate. And so you have to wonder, we saw the the bringer of rain, the exciting parts of Josh Donaldson. However, Alex Anthopoulos and those guys that are making decisions saw both what we, you know, what we saw on the field and the clubhouse stuff. You have to wonder if Ozuna is different and, and that natural fit is going to make it worth enough that they'll that they'll pay him here in the offseason. There, there was definitely some adapting that went on, in, uh, both from Josh, Josh Donaldson's perspective and from the teammates kind of getting used to his personality when he came into the team last year. I think Mark Bowman or Dave O'Brien, one of them, had some more detailed reporting on it, but you know, some of the players would talk about it. The fact that he came in, and it was kind of like it caught players off guard the way that Josh Donaldson interacted with teammates. Like he, he just like that's just his modus operandi is to kind of push you push you as a person kind of and that's how he tests your personality and sees how he can kind of um you know 
interact with you and and be your teammate but for some people it doesn't it, it rubs them the wrong way and I think that him stepping into the Braves clubhouse like he did last year it did run, rub some of the players the wrong way but they got used to it um, and obviously he had a productive season there it was definitely a success obviously uh, but I think yeah with Ozuna seems to fit in really well with the Latino contingent that's already in that clubhouse right now like it seems like he's just gotten on perfectly with Acuna and Albies and all and all those guys and I think you're right Caleb like we're going to be having the pretty much the same conversation um, or the the same debate as to whether the Braves will or will not secure Azuna signing which is down to the years on the contract I think that that's what this is going to come down to and it's a really interesting thing because very similarly to the Donaldson situation last year it's hard to see the Braves being able to acquire a better player than Marcelo Zuna for as, you know like even if you're even if you're spending a lot of money on him it's because he's worth it you know he's proven right. himself to be worth it this year and and so he's the best guy out there so it's going to be a really kind of a bad look for the organization I think if they don't do that you know if, if they decide to like opt for some other option and you know which would include uh, you know paying less and I, I just think that would rub a lot of a lot of people the wrong way so and, and I don't think they have the same like you were saying there aren't the same injury issues with it, the same injury concerns, and it does probably help that there is a, a DH position. You'll be able to slot him in. I mean, we're assuming that that will go into effect permanently yes. in the National League beyond this year. Um, but it's going to be the same situation, which is do they want to or can they afford to tie him up long term like he wants to be? And I know well, that's go, go ahead, Caleb. I was going to say one of the concerns that I have thinking of how uh, – you know, how the Braves have previously spent money is my concern is that Ozuna has really kind of fallen into he's a DH. I don't I don't so much like totally. I mean, if I need him out in left field, that's fine. Like I'll do it. But I don't want him as my everyday left fielder. Like I want him as a DH. And so do the Braves value that DH spot where they were earlier in the season just going to throw Matt Adams in there, you know, and just kind of like figure it out as we went along. I just, I, I wonder after seeing the production from a full 60 games, you know, and, and the numbers that he's, he's been able to put up, is that enough for, you know, for Liberty media to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll shell out the cash. Well, it's weird too, guys, because, you know, there were times where, and I don't necessarily the one who, who likes doing this, but, there were a lot of times where you had Ozuna in the outfield and then you had Darno DHing and Flowers catching like that every time I saw that particular combination it infuriated me because I feel like anytime he's in the field that makes your outfield defense worse and you know I understand they want to get <laughs> Darno's bat in the lineup but there are times where I look at Tyler Flowers and I'm just kind of you know I, I cringe whenever I see Tyler Flowers behind the plate because I know he's a good receiver. I know he works well with the young pitchers, but maybe I just have, you know, whiplash and, and, and too many bad memories about what happens when it comes to pass balls and things. And, and I have a fear that if you see him behind the plate too much in the postseason, he's going to have a moment where he cripples in the in the biggest moment. Look, if he didn't do it in a in a 60 game season, I think it, it'll be just fine in a full season, whereas like those, those games were few and far between. And I don't know. I just, I didn't panic like 
unfortunately, I look at those games and you're kind of like, well, this isn't headed towards success because, I mean, that Ozuna vertical is like two inches. Mm-hmm. And so it just cracks me up when he's out by the wall and, you know, whoever's, whether it's Chip or whoever calling a game, and, you know, up at the wall. It's hilarious. When, see, the, when, the, when the ball takes like a hard bounce off the wall, yeah. and as soon right. as it looks like he's on ice skates out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, George Costanza's so one of those. got a better vertical than Marcelo Zuna does. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, is, it is literally one of those few times in baseball where I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I could do that. I could. I could definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to. I, I do want to kind of pick up. You know, we talked about Marcelo Zuna and him kind of being an unexpected. We thought he would contribute, obviously, but we didn't know he was going to be to the extent that he did. I think you got to throw Travis Darno in that same bucket. I mean, I'm just looking yeah. at his stats now. The guy OPS nine over nine hundred. I mean, and he was just so consistent throughout the year. Also coming up with a ton of clutch hits. He had a lot of game winning hits. That kind of thing. What an upgrade that has been at the catcher position. I mean, I think coming into the season, they were kind of expected to have somewhat of a 50-50 split platoon, kind of similarly to the way that Flowers and McCann had the season prior. And I know that the Braves felt like Darno had a better better potential for the bat, but he really took over. He's clearly the number one catcher you go with. And to Will's point, I don't think we'll see Flowers starting at catcher in the postseason, maybe unless they have like a 3-0 lead or something, you know, they have some sort of big series lead. I think you got to have Travis Darno in there. I'm telling and you, he's man. locked down for another year, right? Yes. Yeah, he's has another year. Yeah, that's he's what on I thought. A two-year deal. It was never Which, anything about consistency with Darno. It was always about whether or not he could stay on the field. That's the problem mm-hmm. that he's had the entirety of his career yeah. is that he gets yep. injured, and he's always been a good hitter. He's not, you know, he's not Johnny Bench or Mike Piazza, but he's somebody who can handle the bat very well. I almost look at him like I look at a, at a Jason Kendall. Solid contact hitter. He can go gap to gap. Someone who can get on base. He's not going to steal you a base, but he's not going to be a liability out there on the base pass either. And I do feel like he calls a good enough game and has enough rapport with this pitching staff to where you don't really gain much by getting Flowers back there. And I do feel like you lose a little with the stick when it comes to Flowers. Yeah, you know, I'm always really impressed hearing uh, Travis talk after games. He's, um, it's always good to hear catchers talk. They they seem to be like of the the one the position on the field where they can cerebral uh, impart a lot more knowledge. Yeah, about the game and and especially about obviously how the pitcher performed. Um, and loved Arno. Like I always thought that he was, um, just sounded really smart <laughs> about baseball, but also just had a cool, calm, level head. And you can totally see why he would come into the clubhouse like a clubhouse like the Braves. And just fit in perfectly. I know that when Alex Anthopoulos, he's talked about this, when they search for players, when they're looking for players they want to acquire and bring on, bring into the club, that's a big part of it is like the personality, how well they're going to mesh with the club. Um, like we talked about with Donaldson earlier and Darno is just, just the perfect signing. What a, what a, what a great move by Alex Anthopoulos. The end of the season I'm, did not bring uh, about a lack of angst though. We had a lot of angst during the season when it comes to injuries and things of that nature. Ronald Acuna did not play Sunday because of a wrist injury, similar wrist, uh, same wrist rather that he had injured earlier this season. They say he's okay. They say it was a precautionary that if it was a playoff game or a game that meant something, uh, he would have been in the lineup. Obviously, there's concern involving Max Freed getting back to starting uh, after what we saw with his ankle last week. Chris Martin went down with a groin injury also over the weekend. How concerned are you about these ailments, Caleb Johnson, going into this three-game series or best-of-three series against Cincinnati? It's time to bring back Eeyore. <laughs> I mean, seriously, when I, all of this stuff going on at the same time, 
uh, I was I was getting some texts from from some friends who are who don't really pay attention to the Braves. They just kind of keep up with the the big headlines, and they were like, "Hey, uh, is this a, is this a concern heading into the playoffs?" <laughs> I was just like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> yes." Uh, it's very concerning, especially because here's the thing with Ronald Acuna, one of one of your big bats, and obviously a guy that you're used to having in that leadoff spot that really sparks the offense. Um, I would have felt a lot more comfortable had this happen at the beginning of the Red Sox series, and then he comes back to play the last game or something. Just it, it's just the the pure fact that Ronald Acuna has a has a wrist that's bothering him and his first start to see how he's feeling coming back from this is going to be game one against the Reds. And that I mean that just that bothers me big time. I you know it's just one of those I feel so uncomfortable that this is headed towards a Freddie Freeman scenario last year where we were like, oh yeah, Freddie's got a little something heading into the playoffs and then come to find out it was like Oh no 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 no! If the Braves had advanced past the Cardinals, then Freddie wouldn't have been playing because yeah. it was too bad. And I'm just like, are we are we headed towards this thing again? Where we like, you know, oh let let's everybody calm down. It's not that big of a deal. You know, if it's a playoff game, Ronald would be starting, and it's like okay, but what's his pain tolerance and how bad's the risk? Because I just see major red flags. That um, that could that could lead to a very frustrating Friday of this week, Joe. This is probably the I don't want to say the worst opponent that you could have faced, but among those who were in that that group that was right around the five hundred mark in that five six seven eight nine slot, uh, this is the group that I feel is the most dangerous. You talking about the Reds? Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's it's clearly like the, the one team that nobody really wanted to face. Not just because the fact that they've come into this playoffs scorching hot. You know they they were kind of down in the dumps. I mean, I remember around the trade deadline whether um, it was like you know are they going to trade Bauer? Like that was a conversation <laughs> that was happening. Um, were they sellers or were they buyers? Turns out they were buyers, and they really turned around from that point on. And that's what uh, that, that's what changes with an expanded playoffs, though. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally. And I mean, yeah, the Reds are a, the the perfect example of yeah how the different dynamics of this season really kind of came to fruition. And they're the one team you don't want to face, not only because they're not they're red hot, but you know because we all know that they've got a starting three that can go up against anybody. And you know they will be, I think, a lot more challenged in the second round just because of this playoff schedule and the fact that you know. Um, teams are going to really be tested for deeper in these playoffs and their pitching staffs. You know, they're not, you're not going to be able to use the three man rotation throughout this playoffs, but in this first series you are, you know, like that's where having those top three dogs are, are really important. And so that's going to be a struggle for the Braves because it's a terrible matchup for them. You know, like they're the Braves are the team that has the, the probably the weakest three on the top. And, and again, to kind of go back to how this ties into the injuries, like I think for the reasons, a lot of the reasons that uh, you put out there, Caleb, about Acuna is why I'm uh, concerned about Max Freed with this ankle injury. Uh, you know, he threw uh, yesterday, which was Sunday at 1 p.m. I think uh, Austin Riley hit off of him a little bit um, just to do some training. 
and apparently that all went fine. But you just don't want to see a, the guy who's going for you game one, the guy who's been your Cy Young candidate, the guy who's been your absolute ace when you already lost your ace. Um, for him to have a disrupted schedule in terms of having to get treatment, not being able to maybe do his regular routine that he would do before, you know, between starts. That is concerning to me. Like, and, and it's weird with an ankle, you know, with a starting pitcher. I mean, I guess the good thing is it's not a long-term, you know, you're not thinking about long-term damage with the arm or anything like that. But if you, when you need really just a performance in his next start out, I wonder about, you know, will his balance be there through his delivery, all that kind of stuff. Um, could really just throw you off for one start, and that's all you need to kind of upturn the entire postseason. The problem with the ankle is that it's the push-off ankle. It's the left ankle. So yeah. that's the part of it that I find somewhat alarming is that and I've, I remember right at the end of Pedro Martinez's career, like when you talk about his ankle and his toe, like that was the one thing that kind of led to the demise of, of his career at the back end and, and why he couldn't necessarily have the same oomph on pitches. We talked about uh, the diminished velocity that he had coming back uh, off the shoulder injury and, and just kind of looking at, uh, at the way things worked for him here in this month. And I'm wondering if, if you see a diminished velocity from Max Fried, if he has some pain from pushing off with that ankle, uh, I have genuine concerns. And it's not even that I don't think they can't win a game where you don't get length from Max Fried, but if you have to go to the bullpen early with him, that jeopardizes the entire series, especially when you're down a guy in, in Martin and you have a situation where you don't know what you're going to get from Ian Anderson. If you have to play a third game, it's going to be Kyle Wright. And I'll, I will say this, by the way, to champion you are the two losers because I was Mr. Kyle Wright's stand for the last couple of days and nobody <laughs> had my back. Lucky. I was on an island alone and <laughs> Kyle Wright has lucky. done the damn thing. You knew it was coming up. You had to know it was going to come up at some point during this podcast. And he's done the damn thing. He has. He has. But, I, I've been super impressed with him. But we still don't know for sure. Yeah. And, and, Honestly, and like I said, you could jeopardize the bullpen if you can't get any length out of Freed in game one and a win, of course. Well, that, that's that been my whole thing, Will, is that the last couple of weeks, that's kind of been the flag that I've been waving is I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. With this different schedule, I feel like the average fan has not really comprehended yet the fact that these playoffs are on back to back to back days. There are no off days. You're not, you know, you're not taking a rest here. You're not getting any time for your bullpen to recoup. So if game one, your frontline starter, if he goes out there and poo-poos because he's got a bad ankle or he just has a bad game, you have to, as Brian Snicker, make the decision, are we giving up on this game? And am I going to throw in you know, Darren O'Day and Luke Jackson to pitch the rest of the way and we'll just, you know, Give like like I said, give up on this one and take the loss, or are you going to throw in your top relievers who are going to completely mess you up for the rest of the series? I mean, those are huge decisions that I quite honestly, <laughs> I don't want in the hands of Brian Snicker. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's one of those that I'm, uh, you know, I told you guys when we we started talking about this, like I I legitimately turn into Eeyore here because I'm I just. Ah, I see so much bad that that could possibly happen. On the it's, other hand, so much good that could absolutely happen, and and and, and you know, and I just be completely overreacting. But that's one of those. As an Atlanta fan, like let's be <laughs> honest, guys, the Falcons aren't doing it for us. Atlanta United ain't doing it for us. So uh, 
The so Braves are the only thing we're holding on hope for. I mean, it's clearly Brian Snicker's weakness as a manager, right? Like these particular yeah. situations, yeah. postseason situations, situations where involving the bullpen and kind of what what buttons to push. I think the thing that's going really in the Braves' favor is that you don't have really any terrible options, and I'm not including Luke Jackson in that. I, I don't no, think he's going to make the the postseason him, please. roster. Please don't. Include but we him. don't we don't know what the what exactly what the shape of the bullpen is going to be because we haven't seen the postseason rosters yet, and I'm not sure honestly when they're due. We might not see him before until like before the game, um, a couple hours before the game. But uh, you know, I think that I've been saying this throughout the season, like the Braves are should be should use their bullpen to their the biggest benefit possible. You know, like they don't need their starters to go super deep in every game because they do have these guys. But like you say, if Max Fried cannot go deep in game one, that really does kind of, it throws off the schedule, right? And especially if you're losing, to your point, you don't know whether, like who exactly you want to throw in those games. Um, it, they're tough decisions. But I think the, the, the good thing is that, you know, again, put, casting Luke Jackson aside, I think a lot of these guys have have performed well, but again, that's where you are really going to miss a guy like Chris Martin, who it sounds like to me, if he if he did something to his groin, if he has a groin issue that this late in the season, I don't see him being able to pitch for like at least a couple weeks. Like maybe if they were to make a World Series run, he could potentially come back. But I'm kind of casting him out of the picture at this point, which is a huge loss because he's been. Such an important part of that bullpen this year. Can we talk a minute about Pablo Sandoval and what the heck he's doing here? <laughs> I'm, yeah. It, it, Does well, that not well, feel like a little weird to you? Uh, it feels it feels very weird. <laughs> well, here's the one thing, all right? For us big fellas out here, <laughs> we love, we love Which is some Pablo Sandoval, some big panda out here. I mean, that, that run that the San Francisco Giants had a few years back, Loved it. You know, I mean, it's just incredible. Loved cheering for Pablo Sandoval. However, the Braves have really caused me to, like, say bad things about Pablo Sandoval. Because they bring him in, and I'm like, what a... You know, the Giants released him a few weeks back, and Braves bring him in their camp. And I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, because this is not something you bring him in for next year or whatever. It's just like... I don't, I don't know what's really going on here because it seems like you're going to try to push this guy on me as making the playoff roster and not like that can't be the case. And then they're like, oh, hey, guys, here's Pablo Sandoval playing third base in the final Braves game of the season against his former team, the Red Sox, where he went completely downhill and, you know, looks like a, a shell of his former self. He's got similar numbers to Enciarte, which is yeah. like not not what I want Caleb, for a guy that I'm bringing in for offense. You are an Ender Enciarte. You you are the Ender Enciarte fan club. You you yourself. That's yes, all you. Yes, I know. Well, it it's faded very quickly. <laughs> oh uh, well, yeah. it, it, I mean it's it, it's it it's disconcerting to me as well, Caleb. Yeah. And you know, it's like I, I texted you guys this, and I'm I'm half joking about this, but I would be more like enthusiastic about Pablo Sandoval's signing if they were just like, yeah, we thought it'd be fun. Like, we yeah. thought it'd be kind of funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> um, because like they, they, they are kind of, um, 
putting him they're they're saying he's like uh you know he's the, he's the profile of bat we need he's a left-hander he's been he's got the experience and stuff it's like no i don't want to hear that because look at the look at the data you know like the data and i'm sure <laughs> the like the profile of bat we office, need one that fr- can't hit oh god yeah. <laughs> right yeah, like, batting 214 with a one home run all and, season yeah and it's really confounding to me because i know like the, the guys in this Braves front office have forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know in my life. So it's not, it's yeah. not like they don't know what they're doing, but I just don't understand. Uh, I, I guess I just wish I could understand more of the reasoning behind it, but I don't foresee anything good coming from it. One thing that is interesting when it comes to uh, the Reds is that when you face a left-hander, uh, that might take a guy like Akiyama out of the lineup for uh, for Cincinnati, so that could be something that gives you a little bit of an advantage in Game 1, but uh, they probably have a better hitting lineup than we realize when you think about Nick Castellanos, Joey Votto, uh, some of these other guys. The problem with them is is that much of their success is derived from their ballpark, and they won't be in their ballpark. They'll be in ours. Now, not necessarily that it's uh, not one that is... Uh, I mean, there are home runs hit at Truist Park. Let's not get it t- twisted, but it's nothing like the launch pad the Great American Ballpark is. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's it's so tough to like you know look at these matchups with the lineups, or at least for me, like that's just like not really a way that I approach baseball. But like, they're just going to be a really tough team to get out. Like again, like like what we talked about earlier, it's just not the team you wanted to play in a three-game series, even if you are playing at home. Um, it's actually interesting. The Braves have had a lot of success on the road uh, going back to last year. Um, they're not like a super great home. You know, it's not like SunTrust or, uh, sorry, Truist Park presents some like great home field advantage for the Braves. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult. And and you're right. Like, they are a much better hitting team than they get credit for. I think because the, the starting pitching is kind of, you know, dominated the headlines. 61% of their runs come from the long ball. That's the highest percentage mm-hmm. in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, last thing, guys, do you think, and again, this is something that I think was inevitable. Um, this weekend series against the Red Sox was one where you kind of saw the team take the foot off the gas. Any worry about momentum, especially uh, after a couple of days off? Do you think the the ride, or at least the edge, might have been lost a little bit by this team? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always worried about this when it comes to the end of a season. Uh, I remember it was a big debate last year as, as to like, you know, should they give guys rest? Because Freddie Freeman was getting a ton of rest last year, obviously trying to have that elbow recover. And now you're kind of in a similar situation, not necessarily with Freeman, but you just you have these injuries and it just feels like your team is kind of getting chopped up a little bit uh, with injuries and rest and, and that kind of thing. Like you're not in a great flow that you were in two weeks ago or so. So I'm concerned about it for sure. And especially when you look at a team like Cincinnati, who's the complete opposite, who, you know, who's coming into this postseason with a ton of great feelings and good form, you know, winning games. It's always nice to have that feeling just, yeah, I think as an athlete, just to have that kind of confidence built up in you before you go into a big series. Um, I, I It feels to me like all of a sudden, the Braves are going to be the team more likely to feel that sudden pressure of the postseason um, on their shoulders, as opposed to the Reds, who I feel like can just come into this game, take it like another series, and just move on. Well, I mean, the the big concerning part is similar to what's happened in a lot of end of regular seasons for the Braves, is they weren't able to score 
many runs these final two games specifically yeah. obviously you have the the eight seven win on uh what was that friday sometime friday. last week yeah friday okay so, so it's one of those they they were able to to score um a lot of runs heading into that series and then game one happens you win it and you're like all right cool and then the final two games they score a total of three runs and so like those those things concern me i obviously they were playing around with some lineups and things like that too i get with you know, ronald being out on sunday but it, level of concern big big time i am curious before we do get out of here though i'm curious to get you guys uh your thoughts on i don't know if it's too unrealistic freddie freeman does he have any chance at the mvp Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's his, his award to lose. Mm-hmm. You really think so? I do. I absolutely do. I feel like that's just become such a popular vote that it's too late now. Like like the Braves doing the whole MV free the campaign. You know, campaign. I'm like it feels it feels late like uh the 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 baseball media has always paid attention to Mookie Betts. And so for what he's done over in L.A. and and that big trade and everything like that, it just seems like they're going to completely ignore Freddie's numbers. I feel like it's his award. I'm not saying that I'm confident he's going to win it, but I feel like if baseball writers have a conscience, and again, we know that sometimes is, uh, <laughs> that sometimes is not always the case, but if they have a conscience and they know what the heck they're looking at, I'd like to think that they know Freddie Freeman's numbers stack up. Well, I just want to say one more thing before we get out of here, too. I remember hearing, I think it was Alex Rodriguez, which is, you know, take this for what it's worth, <laughs> considering it comes from him. But, you okay. know, it was really interesting to hear. expert opinion on A-Rod? Come on, man. <laughs> no, but it, it was a comment that he made during a game about Atlanta, like the Braves. He was talking about Freddie Freeman. He was like, it's amazing what he's doing down there in Atlanta. No one's really paying attention or whatever. And it's like, he was essentially talking about Atlanta like, a small media market, which we know it's not a small media market, but it is kind of a smaller market in terms of the attention that it gets. Uh, it like it just seems like the Braves are kind of set off as this team that does that is operating and playing games, obviously, but they're not kind of as involved with the um, you know the the northeastern teams and those west coast teams that dominate a lot of the headlines. So it's just kind of interesting to see how the Braves get treated in the national media, and I think Freddie Freeman how he. I think if he doesn't win MVP, I think it'll be even more of like a you know a testament to to that. Uh, I'll I'll quibble with you on one thing. Atlanta's getting plenty of attention, but um, for all the wrong reasons right now, having nothing to do with the Atlanta Braves. That's just my own editorial comment. <laughs> womp womp. Hope you guys enjoy the Batter Up podcast. Real something fun for you guys. Uh, for us, we are going to be on our Facebook Live page at ninety two nine. The game after every contest of the National League Division or National League Wildcard Series, I should say, and the Division Series. As long as the Braves are in the playoffs, we will have a post-game live recap. So if you have not liked our Facebook page for the radio station, it's at facebook.com slash 929thegame. Uh, all three of us will be on there as much as we possibly can be uh, because, of course, we have to make sure we hear what happens after uh, the game from Brian Snicker and players. But we'll try to contribute as much analysis and also your reactions as much as we possibly can. So be sure to be looking out for that at facebook.com com slash nine two nine the game we'll be back also with a wrap up uh once this series is over uh for another podcast here on batter up for Joe Patrick Caleb Johnson I'm Willie P 
Let's hope the Braves have a deep run in the postseason and possibly get their second World Series crown since coming to Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to Batter Up. And I- you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.